Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. All right, I want to start off, before we get into the bulk of the show, by, by just saying... Contrary to what you're going to hear from me in a little bit, if you think I had like a really bad weekend, that's not the case. No, no, I had absolutely, uh, I, and I hope you did as well, had a, a great, you know, weekend. Friday night, we went out to dinner with some friends, and Saturday, we we, we went and visited, um, well, it, it's interesting, it's our, our, our friends, um, you know, Betsy and Gary, who are, the, they're, they're kind of like a second set of parents to my wife growing up, and they've kind of adopted me since we got married. We went over to their house, and we, we went to a fundraiser that my sister-in-law was putting together, and then my niece is in town from San Diego, so we stopped by and saw them. So it was a wonderful family day. There was I, I don't get to go to concerts anymore because they don't have concerts, but there was a performer that we like who was playing on an outdoor patio, so we went and saw him on Saturday for dinner. Last night, uh, some of literally my, my oldest and dearest friends, we got together. Um, my, my friends Evan and Susan, if yesterday was their 40th wedding anniversary, and I was there at their wedding, so they had us over for dinner, and my friend Steve and Patty came. So I've had a great weekend. So when, when we launch into the program, it, it's not because it was an angry or bitter weekend or anything like that. No, I had a great weekend. Having said that, has the whole damn world gone crazy? I, I mean, Seriously. Are we looking at what is going on in the world? And and it's been something that has been foreseeable. It has been predictable. We've been talking about it on this program. And, and now you have the chickens coming home to roost. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620, a, a number of, of postings. L- let's... Let's start by what happened in Chicago yesterday. And I've got a link to a couple of the stories, but you're, you're probably seeing this. In, in essence... Yesterday afternoon, you have a guy who shoots at some Chicago police officers. And Chicago has been out of control for a while. The the mayor, just like the mayor in Madison, just like to an extent authorities in Milwaukee and certainly in Wauwatosa, have just essentially had the police standing down. And you have had anarchists and terrorists and rioters who have been engaging in increasingly antisocial and dangerous behavior. A couple weeks ago, there was a demonstration at this Columbus statue that they had in a, a big in one of the parks in downtown Chicago. The the anarchists slash rioters slash terrorists showed up and ambushed the cops. They had frozen water bottles and bricks and things like that. They started throwing them. I, I think there were forty nine police officers injured, eighteen that were hospitalized, and essentially nothing happened. And one of the things that we know is just like with a child that misbehaves, if you never discipline the child. Well, the, the misbehavior is going to get worse and worse and worse. So yesterday, there's a situation where a guy shoots at a police officer and the police return fire. All right. So that, that's it. As they are conducting the investigation into the shooting, an angry mob descends. And then the word gets out on social media that the police had shot an unarmed child or, or something like that, which it, it, it's not true. It, it it wouldn't have justified what happened anyways, but it's not True. It was a guy who shot at the cops. They returned fire. Boom. So what happens at that point in time is you have this major example of widespread looting. And you have 
a mob of a couple hundred people that just go on a rampage. And it's not about social protest. It's not about social justice. It's about let's break into the CVS store and see how many prepaid phone cards we can steal. Let's break into the shoe store and see how many pairs of high-end tennis shoes that we can rip off. And, I mean, downtown downtown Chicago, the Magnificent Mile, this morning kind of looks like State Street in Madison to this day after the riots there a couple months ago or Berlin after the bombs fell in World War II. It's this mob, police officers that are, are injured, and now what's happened, at least what it got so bad... They had to, like, raise all the bridges in, in Chicago so people couldn't get in and out. I mean, the, the mayor the mayor of Chicago was worried about people coming up from people coming from Lake Geneva having to quarantine for two weeks. Well, my, my question is, who in the world would want to go to Chicago now? But it was an out-of-control rioters, and it had nothing to do with protests. It was people who decided to seize on this opportunity to loot and to break stuff and to try to enrich themselves. But I, and I sent out a tweet just a couple minutes ago, and I, I firmly believe this. And again, you can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. Today is the day that the anti-police protest movement has officially, definitely, and absolutely jumped the shark. Now, you've been seeing this going on in Portland where and we'll talk about Portland a little bit later, where last week and last night there was a conscious attempt to try to murder people. The tactic that they're using in Portland is you go to the police union headquarters or you go to a police station and then you try to board up the outside so you trap people inside, then you light the place on fire. And, you know, but this is what is going on and authorities have just done nothing about it. And so you're seeing the behavior get worse and worse and worse. And it has nothing to do with social justice. And don't tell me, I mean, I understand the mainstream media falls over itself that any time there is an example of this, that they have to put in the the quotation marks. Well, it's largely peaceful protest. Nothing about what happened in Chicago yesterday was a peaceful protest at all. It wasn't a protest. It was an opportunity to loot, steal, and engage in anarchy. And it was easily foreseeable because in Chicago, they stood down. They allowed it to happen day after day after day. Now, finally, you see what happens, which brings me closer to home and what happened in Wauwatosa over the weekend, something that has been completely and totally predictable that the mayor of Wauwatosa has allowed to happen, that the common council in Wauwatosa has, in some respects, by sitting on the sidelines, has encouraged, at least, I think, tacitly encouraged things like this to happen. And you've got the Fire and Police Commission that I think they are in part responsible for this as well. We will discuss the attempted murder last uh, over the weekend in Wauwatosa of a Wauwatosa police officer. Incredibly predictable. The question is, where do we go from here? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The dithering mayor of Wauwatosa is in the news today saying, well, we're, 
we're, we're going to be meeting to discuss, you know, what, what we can do with the situation that happened over the weekend in Wauwatosa. It, it's real simple, and it's something that you should have been done, been going on a, a month ago, and that is people should have been a, arrested a long time ago. When people violate the law, you arrest them. If you don't, what happens is it gets worse and worse. Now, let's review the bidding about what's been going on in Wauwatosa. There is a Wauwatosa police officer now suspended. His name is Joseph Mensa. He, by the way, is a black man. All right. I just throw that out there because this is not a racial issue. He has been involved and we've reviewed this on many occasions. He has in the last five years been involved in three shooting incidents. The first two, one incident, he was attacked by a guy with a sword. He, the shooting was found to be justifiable. The second incident is he came upon somebody who was in his car sleeping like at four in the morning. Guy had a handgun next to him, reached for the handgun. That shooting was investigated by both federal and state authorities. It was determined to be legitimate. Last February, in one of the many disturbances that is plaguing Mayfair Mall, security calls the police. The police arrive. What happens is, according to the police, there's a 17-year-old kid with a stolen gun who fires at the officer, he returns fire. The matter is under investigation, but the Wauwatosa police chief says he's he's very, very clear that he believes the officer is going to be cleared of this. Nevertheless, there is a relatively small mob of people in Wauwatosa who have been demanding that this officer be fired. You have a left-wing member of the Common Council who said, yes, I, I think we, we need to get rid of him. The mayor has jumped on board this, despite the fact that, that the investigation into the shooting isn't even complete, and most people believe it's going to fi- be found to be a legitimate shooting. So you've got the Common Council that's prejudged this. You've got the mayor who has prejudged this, and now you've got the Fire and Police Commission that suspended this guy, you know, at this moment with with pay, but all the powers that be are kind of saying, okay, well, we, we think we, we, need to, we need to move on. We're not going to be able to have peace in this community as long as this guy is an officer, despite the fact that, again, it's a legit, it may very well be a legitimate shooting. So what you've had out in Wauwatosa is you've had the mob which has descended, for example, Mayfair Shopping Center. And, and I, they're going to kill Mayfair. Just mark my words, they are going to kill Mayfair. You've had this group that has gone through Mayfair on multiple occasions, uh, bullhorns. They forced Mayfair Mall to shut down on multiple occasions. All right. Even though Mayfair Mall had nothing to do with this particular shooting other than the fact that it was out in the parking lot, they forced Mayfair to shut down. All right. The mob has been calling literally for you know criminal charges against this officer, despite the fact that the investigation is gone. It is still under underway. So in any event, what happens over the weekend is you have the mob in Wauwatosa apparently joins forces with the mob in Milwaukee, the same group of people who went outside on a regular basis the house of former police chief Morales, you know, and, and trespassed on his property and had like an open on street party and was allowed to do it. This is the same group of people that were allowed to paint defund the police on three city blocks because the, the city of Milwaukee didn't have the guts to confront the, this group. And so it's okay, well, we don't want to make any of these people People unhappy or upset. So what happens is on Saturday, the it's kind of a convergence. Some of the leaders of the quote unquote Milwaukee protests, they decide that what we're going to do is they're going to move this to Wauwatosa. So they and this is where social media, which can be a great thing, is oftentimes a bad thing. So they show up at a Target store, I think in Brookfield, and start 
buying toilet paper because because that's that's the thing we're going to go over and the plan was we're going to go over to the actually it's the girlfriend's home of officer mensa and, and what we're going to do is we're, we're going to protest outside this home and we're i mean we're going to buy toilet paper and we're going to throw it and we're going to do all that type of stuff and so it goes on social media here come join us we're going to convey convoy over there so then what happens is you you have Dozens and dozens of people who show up outside the, the residence of the police officer's girlfriend, who's also a police officer, I believe. And then, you know, what happens is it gets even uglier. The group begins to vandalize the the home. And so they're, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're beginning to vandalize the home. The officer who's there goes out to, to try to talk to him, like, hey, calm down. What, what are you doing here? He is then physically assaulted outside the home by the mob. As he retreats into his home, armed protesters approach the rear door, and somebody fires a shotgun round into the back door of the house. Let me just let that linger in the air. You have these protesters who show up at the house with loaded shotguns and then start shooting at this. Um, I mean, the officer says we were assaulted, punched, ultimately shot several times, says the shotgun shell missed hitting him by inches. I mean, what you had is this mob organized by some of the usual suspects who decided that the rules don't apply to them. Hey, we were able to get away with doing this at Mayfair. We've been able to get away with all this other stuff, so now let's go over to this house. We were able to do this at Chief Morales' house, and nobody stopped us. So now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take guns. We're going to take stuff. We're going to get into a physical confrontation because we are the mob, and nobody has the guts to stop us. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the mayor says, well, we're going to have a meeting today to decide how we can protect Officer Mensa. This is real easy, mayor, and it's what you should have been doing weeks ago. You should be arresting people and locking them up. And this idea that, you know, we, we have to now, we can't distinguish between anarchy and terrorism and attempted murder and legitimate protest it is ridiculous. The seeds for this were planted when you allowed groups to march through Mayfair and shut it down on a regular basis. That's where this started. Now you have this mob that feels emboldened because you have a small group of people that scream and you have some politicians who should know better saying, well, we, we think we don't care what the investigation says. We think, you know, we, we've we've got to give in to the mob and we've got to get rid of this police officer, even though the investigation may very well conclude that he did nothing wrong. And so should we be surprised that members of the mob show up at this guy's house, attack him, attack his girlfriend, and now fire a shotgun blast through his rear door? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is, in my opinion, way, way, way past time for civilians to get control of this and for the civilian authorities. And and it is ridiculous that this was allowed to happen last night or Saturday night. And, and there aren't there aren't dozens of people in custody today. I mean, at some point in time, if the mayor wants to know how you, you handle this. It's real simple. You You arrest people that are out there attacking someone, assaulting him and his girlfriend, and firing shotgun blasts through the kitchen door. And if it means you make some of the loud, upset protesters angry, who cares? 
I think it's way past time for civilian authorities in Wauwatosa and in Milwaukee to start recognizing that, you know, what's going on now is this protest movement has, in, at least in some respects, taken a very violent turn. And you've got to get control of it. And in some respects to the authorities that have allowed it to get to this point, you share some of the blame. But where are the handcuffs? Where are the arrests? Where are the criminal charges? 855-616-1620. Are, are people going to have to die? Seriously, before we wake up and recognize that there's some really bad stuff going on and it needs to be controlled. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Lisa in Milwaukee. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you today? I'm aggravated. I mean, seriously. Uh, so am I. You know, I mean, so look, am I, I. I, I understand that the social justice movement and calling attention to some of the I problems, but, but, you know, going out with shotguns and firing shotgun shells at, at somebody, it's at some point in time, the world's gone mad. It really has. And I say that all the time. I think the world has gone stock raving mad. I stay on the north side of Milwaukee, um, African American, and. Probably about two months ago, I saw a bit dead body in the alley, and it frightened me to death. You know, I don't make a lot of money, so I have to stay in certain areas where the, the income or the rent is rather low. I wish I could move out. However, I can't. But getting back to this, if they don't, if somehow this movement has, has emboldened them, I don't feel safe. I don't like guns. I bought a gun. I reinforced my house. Mm-hmm. So if you have people running around thinking that they can take the law into their own hands and totally disregard the 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 um the 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 protocol, right. this is what's going to happen. And like you said, all those people that are in those higher positions need to get that in check right away. Because at the end of the day, I'm the one who's going to be suffering from yes. this. The African American communities always are suffering, and I don't want to deal with this. So you know, it's I call in, it, out Mayor Barrett and all the rest yep. to get that. They better get that in order. Well, you know, it's interesting, Lisa. You should talk about that because over the weekend in in Milwaukee, and I, I just I, I counted it last night. There were two more homicides. There were eight. Um, there were five shootings within forty minutes on Saturday that wounded eight people, and, and that's that doesn't right. even make the news. You know, so just just I mean, for the average tax paying, hard working, law abiding citizen like yourself, it's it's just a right. war zone that, that's out there. And, it is. Yeah, and we have people that are yeah, okay. where I live. They call it Baby Beirut, and mm-hmm. I and and. You know, my my boss even told me, he said, you suffer from PTSD because I I face this every day. Anytime the police officers are anywhere in my neighborhood, in the morning on my way to work, I honk the horn, I give them thumbs up. I'm just so happy to see you guys around here because I'm living in a war zone. You can't put anything in your backyard. They steal that. It's just disgusting. You can't even enjoy the little semblance of what summer we have to, you know, left to enjoy with the COVID and all, you know, we can't enjoy much, but I want to feel protected. I, for one, you know, um, I'm for the police. Always have been, because when I call them, I want them to respond. Exactly. They're good and bad in every entity in the world. They're good and bad. But I do not support the defunding of the police. I want to see a police officer when 
I call because I stay in the war zone. Absolutely. So thanks. For they, the, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm a little bit late for the news, but thanks for the call. No, I, and again, that's that, that that's that's it. But yet it's this angry mob, and and we're not talking about a lot of people. This group is about fifty or sixty people, and a lot of it's the usual suspects that are out there that have been emboldened by the do nothing approach that I, I think some politicians have had that they're they're so afraid of getting on the quote unquote wrong side of history that they refuse to stand up to bad behavior. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about this maybe later on today or tomorrow, that this is if this doesn't get under control, Mayfair Mall is going to go the way of Northridge because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, look, we're sick of going to Mayfair and not knowing if the stores are open or not because you've got a bunch of loud activists who are now demonstrating that they are prone to violence who are storming through things. All right, back with more in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The COVID-19 pandemic is still taking its toll across America. How will this impact schools in the fall? Join us tomorrow, August 11th, for WTMJ Cares. It's a special roundtable hosted by John McCure. We'll have education experts here to answer any questions you might have about K-12 through schools, colleges, and universities, as well as plans for the fall and heading into next year. If you've got a question that you'd like answered during the roundtable, please call 414-203-8105 and leave us a message with your question. That's 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum and sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, Gruber Law Offices, Holiday Automotive, and Brett Ochtenhagen Seasonal Services. Okay, so we're understanding what's going on here. You have a relatively small group of protesters who feel... And I understand why they feel that way. They have been emboldened because you have elected officials who are gutless. They don't want to stand up to to the mob. They're they're afraid to get in the way of the mob. So uh, that's the last thing we we want to do. You know, we we don't want to interfere with peaceful protest. And, and and I get it. Nobody wants to interfere with peaceful protest. But what has been going on in these communities? Whether it's the the stuff that was going on outside of Chief former Chief Morales's house, or what's been going on out in Wauwatosa on a regular basis, that isn't peaceful protest. And, and all that's happened is people have been emboldened. And so now you've got the mayor of Wauwatosa saying, well, we're going to have meetings, decide what to do with this. Well, you should have been arresting people right and left in the beginning. And if you don't, if you don't do this, you know, you're going to, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Here's a text, Jeff. Agree with you and your last caller, Lisa. A point has to be made. Why don't the protesters get upset about the homicides that are rampant in the area? Um, where, and, and yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing. Demonstrate about that. Go after those responsible for, you know, violence in the city. It would, wouldn't that be refreshing? Because on a regular basis, that's where you get more and more of the violence that's going on. But I want to go back to one of the premises I was raising earlier because I, I heard from a number of people over the weekend of, of, about this. There, again, Mayfair Shopping Center, which is one of the economic cornerstones of, of Wauwatosa, Mayfair has been the target of, of not the target store, but Mayfair has been the target of a number of, of these protests. And I am hearing from more and more suburbanites 
that they are just uncomfortable going to Mayfair. And the idea is, it's like, hey, we, we don't know when we're going to be out at Mayfair and we're going to suddenly have all the shops closed down because, again, you have this relatively small but extremely vocal ragtag group of protesters that is allowed to go in and disrupt business. And I'm hearing from more and more people who are simply saying, you know what, we're, we're going to vote with our with our wallets. We're going to vote with our pocketbooks and and we're we're just not shopping there. And Lord knows that there's, you know, when you, when you talk about like shopping and going to the traditional malls, that they're they're challenged enough at, as is. You've got the COVID, you know, pandemic that's going on. You've got online shopping that's going on. And the last thing you need is something that is going to discourage people from coming out to an economic engine of a community. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do not. I have to tell you something. I just don't see how what is going on in Wauwatosa can be any good at all for for Mayfair. And I'm hearing more and more people just saying, "Hey, until unless things calm down, we're we're not going near there." All right. So, are you patronizing Mayfair as much as you used to? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll be back to discuss in just a moment. But first, uh, WTMJ Time Saver Traffic. Eric Bilstein. <laughs> Thank you, sir. WTMJ Pella, WDI.com, time saver traffic alert. 4145 in the Menominee Falls area, right around 145. The two left lanes are blocked in both directions because of a big crash. So heading south, the two left lanes, heading north, the two left lanes. So because of that, you're squeaking by on the far right lane in both directions. And we're seeing some heavy backups, especially northbound. Right now, from Good Hope to Q on 4145 north, that's at least a 20 to 25 minute ride. So you're looking at 15 to 20 minute delays just to even head through that area so be prepared for that southbound isn't as bad but you're going to see delays in both directions and backups uh, extending past a mile now as well as we get into that area we'll get you uh, an update at one o'clock it is 12:46. jeff wagner on wtmj <laughs> Jeff, I had to go to Mayfair last week to have an electronic tag removed that they forgot about from a shirt that was a gift. Um, I can tell you I will never go back there. If you think Northridge folded up quickly, I have a surprise for you. It's already happening at Mayfair. I felt very unsafe. Um, let's see, Jeff, I am avoiding TOSA if at all possible. Unfortunately, COVID will be blamed for business closings when we know in reality that people are concerned for their safety. Jeff, I live six blocks away from Mayfair. I would not set fit foot in there. Um, sadly, the area is going downhill fast. I would much rather go to Brookfield Square. Jeff, Mayfair protests have scared me away. This is a listener who lives in West Bend. I, I'm driving up to the the Appleton Mall, Jeff. The days of shopping mall shopping is over. Anyhow, Capitol Court, Northridge, the Grand Bayshore, now Mayfair, all either dead or dying. Well, and and look, malls are challenged enough. There, there's no question about it. But and if the situation is, gee, I'm. I don't know if I go to the mall, I have no idea knowing whether you're going to have a a relatively small but loud group of protesters that are going to be allowed to run ran you know rampant through the mall forcing the stores to shut down. People just don't want to get in the middle of that. And and people shouldn't have to get in the middle of that. But unfortunately, we we've allowed this because we don't want to upset 
the 50 or 60 people that have decided that they want to be vocal and they want to try to hurt commerce and things like that. Well, okay, that's going to be great, but figure out how the Common Council and figure out how the mayor is going to deal with all this when one of your large economic engines goes belly up. And yeah, you can blame COVID, you can blame the internet, all those things are factors, but the, the one thing you can control is making sure that you have a degree of public safety. If I lived in Wauwatosa now, I mean, if, if the standard is, hey, we're going to let groups of people descend on people's houses, confront people, vandalize the homes, attack people that live in those homes, and then fire guns, including shotgun blasts, in through the door, why aren't there people in custody? That's what I do not understand. The mayor says, well, we're going to investigate. What the heck is there to investigate, for goodness sakes? You know who is responsible for this. You know what is going on. It's all over social media. You've got a million witnesses that are out there. Why Why were people allowed to do this on Saturday in the first place? Why weren't people being arrested in droves for this behavior? Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, my thoughts are, are with you, too. I mean, uh, the mayor and while it's also all the powers to be should have been doing this months ago, arresting people and putting, putting them in jail or whatever. Yeah. Uh, people want to feel safe to go to the mall. I like to go into the mall. It's a beautiful mall. Yep. And uh, not that I shop there often, just like Christmas time, but it's, it's like uh, people need to know that they're going to be safe. And by being notified by the public and the authorities to be that they are actually putting people in jail and get them out of there for trespassing or whatever yeah. they charge them with. Just get them the hell out of there. Well, right, and, and then it, then you it, send it, the message saying, "Look, we're we're not going to we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to let a small, loud group of people who are upset." And you know what? The, 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 that's the thing that's so weird about the, this whole thing with Officer Mensa. It, it's unlike what happened in Minneapolis, where I don't think there's any justification. It may very well turn out that his behavior, his actions, were completely and totally not only legal but justified. And yet, we're allowing this mob to create all this this. Chaos chaos when the mob may very well be in the wrong in the first place they're probably uh, you're probably right and the other thing is a lot of these people that are protesting their brothers and sisters are working at the mall they're going to be out of jobs well that, that see that that is the the other thing that that's going on there if you you know all right how what what are, how we're advancing the causes of social justice by closing down the mall so the guy who's i'm just going to pull an example out of the air so the guy who's working on commission at the the telephone store or or whatever so now now there's nobody coming in that he can say he or she can can sell telephones to so that that person's not making any money how are you advancing the interests again of the community now having said all this i i do i think it's I think it is unfortunate that the authorities have have not gone after the the, the usual suspects and allowed them and emboldened them. I, I also think it's I think it's there's just there's no justification for for the fact that this shooting occurred in February and now we're we're talking we're in mid August. I mean this this isn't something where it's it's a who done it. This isn't something where. You know, you have to bring in like extensive experts and you have to travel all over the world and you have to take depositions. I mean, th- this is a pretty, I think, straightforward matter. And, you know, the fact that the district attorney's office has been, yes, dragging its feet 
on this investigation, and I don't know if it's because they're afraid that if they come out and they clear Officer Mensa, that all that's going to do is create an, another whole issue because the mob is going to be upset. Well, okay, if that's going to be the case, I've always said you let the chips fall where they may. You you do what the investigation is. You follow the facts. You follow the evidence. And then you you make your decision. And if it turns out that that's going to upset some people and maybe even make some people on the Wauwatosa Common Council or the mayor of Wauwatosa that, that they might not like that result. Well, well too bad. The, the evidence is what the evidence is. The facts are what the facts are. And I do think it's fair to ask, you know, why the DA has been, again, dragging his feet on on this. It, okay, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, you know, you're, you're pushing, you're, you're going on seven months for an investigation like this. You should be able to have this done and then move on to the next phase. And again, if you decide that criminal charges are warranted against this officer, bring criminal charges if you think you can prove it. If you think there's a basis for misconduct, well, then you got a basis to fire him. But the fact that there's been all this prejudgment of this matter based not on the evidence, but based on public officials who've decided that it's in their short-term interest to, again, and align themselves with some of the angry, loudest voices in the community. All right, maybe that's they think it's good politics short term. Long term, I don't see how this happens. And I, I tell you, I really firmly, honest to goodness, believe that Wauwatosa, which is a wonderful community, great homes, great restaurants, great downtown area. Um, Wauwatosa, I, I think, is kind of on a precipice here. And they need to figure out, and that is starting with the mayor, and the police chief, I know, I know, feels his hands have been largely tied by stuff that's going on. They got to get their act together, and, and that starts with enforcing the law, so people don't feel emboldened to just, I don't know, shoot shotgun blasts through the the back door of, of homes. This is Jeff Wagner, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstadt, years ago, when we shared a corporate identity with today's TMJ4, which mm-hmm. we, we no longer do, there was the meteorologist, uh, legendary meteorologist, Paul Joseph. Sure. And you will remember that Paul Joseph always used to send us, us on-air people these notes telling us that we were not meteorologists and we should not interpret the radar. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah. And so, okay, so I've always had that in the back of my, my mind, but I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at this radar now, and of course the, you know, the, the story is that the, uh, the severe thunderstorm watch has now, it, it's been, at least they've added counties, yep. north yep. and northwest of Milwaukee. Before it was kind of like Milwaukee County, but we're, I'm looking at the same radar you're looking at, but, and they say that um, the, the biggest threat is south of I-94, and in particular in northern Illinois. At the risk of offending Paul, I'm looking at this radar, and there there's a lot of stuff oh, coming yeah. our way, particularly along the state line and, and to the sort of like Milwaukee to the yeah. south. And yeah. a lot of colors, and uh, wind is supposed to be the big issue with this one. Straight line winds is their biggest concern. Right, so it looks like just another one of these these days. Were you, were you around? Did you get hit with the thunderstorm yesterday? 
A little bit. Just got it. We just got clipped by it. It oh, felt like it was. Well, I, I had, like I said, I was saying at the start of the show, very, very dear friends of mine. It was their fortieth wedding anniversary, and so they live in Fox Point, and so they had invited Fran and I and and our friend Stephen Patty because Steve and I were at their wedding forty years mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. So they had invited us to just a, a little dinner party, and they'd set it up outside. You know, it was it was actually they, they'd done just a great job. There were a couple tables, so we we're going to eat sure. outside yeah, and yeah. They made dinner, and then and it was a. Yeah, we were supposed to get there at six o'clock, and so so about about ten after six is when the storm moved through <laughs> Fox Point, and it I'm let you know, right? It, it just it was just kind of like okay, you know, and it and it rained like you know Noah getting oh, ready to yeah. build a boat, but just oh, for yeah. a few minutes, and then it passed. But nevertheless, we were inside this. Um, uh, again, you know, who knows what's going to happen as it moves to the rest of the state. But right now, from like that line, Madison to Milwaukee down is where you're seeing lots of lots of the color. Yep, and I don't think anyone's going to miss this one. Everyone's going to get hit with a little something. With a little something, but again, the, the reports are the worst. But we'll we'll continue to keep you posted at the risk of again interpreting the radar if you look at it lots of colors particularly you know south of milwaukee yep, and all yep. but we'll continue to keep you posted please uh keep it tuned to news radio 620 wtmj hey, hey one more thought on the, the 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 way in my opinion the the protest movement has has jumped the shark and now you have you know all all these examples of violence and for for what you, you mean you saw it in chicago with with the looting that went on you know we saw it in Walwatosa on saturday night with you know the the attempts to vandalize and then assault and then i, I think you can make a strong case for for murder um the the Walwatosa police officer the, the mob was out to to murder him and as of yet nobody in custody how can you how can you shoot fire a, people know who's involved with this how can you fire a shotgun blast through somebody's door and nobody gets arrested but i I, you know, I just I shake my head. But, you know, one of the other examples is out in Portland. And we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now in Portland. They, they've had like 70 plus nights of of demonstrations, some of which have been peaceful. Many of the nights, though, it's been anarchy and terrorism and, and violence. And you will remember this was a situation where President Trump set federal authorities into protect like federal buildings and the federal troops the federal authorities homeland security people etc they they ended up making arrests and and that became that became the issue and i know you may have disagreed with me on this but my point was well okay you, you don't want to make them the issue if the mayor of portland and the governor of oregon decide that they want to allow the anarchists to take over the the streets of the major city in that state that they broke it they bought it and because the, the problem was when you had the federal authorities in portland they became the issue not the out-of-control behavior of of the mob. So ultimately, they they pull back the the federal authorities. And and guess what? The the mob hasn't gone away. I sent out a couple tweets on this, but if you haven't been following what's going on in Portland, it's absolutely... It's absolutely heartbreaking and mind-bending that, that authorities will allow this to happen. The, the other night, you had a couple hundred protesters slash anarchists slash terrorists. They, they, they attacked a police station, like a district station, and inside the station there were police officers and there were civilian employees. And what they did is they barricaded the doors this is what the protesters did. They took paint and spray paint and they spray they, they tried to cover up sort of security cameras so people couldn't see what they were doing, who who they were. They barricaded the doors so people couldn't get out. They stuck people inside and then they tried to light the building on fire. 
they try to murder you know, dozens and dozens of police officers and civilian employees by trapping them in a building. Now, now, ultimately, the fire department was able to arrive and other police were able to get to the scene and, and they were able to put out the fire. But but this this is what's passing. This is not peaceful protest. It's it's not. And this is where the, this movement has, has turned. It's like, let's destroy things. Let's see if we can kill police officers. Well, that called the, the mayor. Even the mayor of Portland, who stood on the side for the last two months watching his city get destroyed, he finally said, well, this is this is just murder. This isn't protest. Well, it, it hasn't stopped. Here's what happened last night. Let me just share with you what the Wall Street Journal says happened. Okay. Um, okay. Saturday. It was, I'm sorry. It was Saturday night. Saturday night, they had another riot as a group of protesters tried to burn down the building housing the union for police officers. On Saturday night, a few hundred protesters marched to the Portland area police association office. So this is the union headquarters. Um, protesters lit a dumpster on fire, pushed more dumpsters into the street to block traffic, spray painted the office and destroyed security cameras. Oh wait, it gets, it's better. About a half hour to midnight, the group broke into the union's office and started a fire inside. Um, They've got a a video showing someone throwing a chunk of wood into the building to fuel a fire burning on the floor inside, at which point in time, um, again, the the fire department arrives. You have uh, three officers injured trying to disperse the crowd, including two transported to a hospital. The crowd threw glass bottles and paint balloons at officers and shined green lasers into their eyes. The fire was eventually extinguished by people working for Portland Fire and Rescue. This is the face of the protest movement at this point in time. And I guess my question is, how how long is it going to be, number one, before th- these organizers are held accountable? And number two, I know we don't use the term silent majority anymore because it's it's got Nixonian overtones, but, but this is a, a small group of anarchists. How long is it going to be before politicians, bureaucrats, and, and the community in general just stands up and starts condemning and calling out this type of behavior. I mean, are, are we really going to have to wait until this group that a group that tries to trap police and civilian workers inside the building is successful in, in murdering 40 or 50? Is, is that what we're really going to have to do before we recognize that it's way past time to take those people that are behaving in this fashion to start making arrests, to start hauling them off, to start prosecuting them for their misbehavior, John Chisholm, are you paying attention, to start putting people in jail for behavior that just shouldn't be tolerated. Because if you don't think people are going to start dying because of this, you're just flat not paying attention. And again, we'll go back to where we started the program with the the looting that is going on in Chicago. If you look at... You know, the magnificent mile. You you look at State Street in Chicago, it looks like it looks like a bomb hit it. And and it's it's not because there were protests against racial injustice or whatever. It's because an angry group of people decided that they were going to use this opportunity to see how many tenant pairs of tennis shoes and phone cards and the like that they could steal. Um, there's, there's video of people bringing rental trucks and pulling them up outside of stores and cleaning out the stores. 
All right. At, at some point in time, don't we have to take control of our cities back? Go out to State Street in Madison. I mean, they still have not recovered from what happened a couple months ago. I mean, how much of this has to go on before collectively the community says enough is enough? And it, it would be nice to have, I don't know, some people in authority come out and give this more than just lip service and say, okay, here's the deal. You know, when this stuff happens, people are going to be arrested, people are going to be prosecuted, and people are going to be put in jail. And if it makes some of the anarchists upset, too bad. All right, when we come back, well, say goodbye to football, this co- this uh, at least college football, this fall. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Crew, producing the show today and always. Do you know who Zach Plesak is? You see the story about Zach Plesak? Yeah, he's a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Right, and he's the nephew of former Brewers pitcher Dan Plesak. That's oh, the, see, yeah. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. You know, he's he's the he's Dan Plesak's nephew, and Plesak I think has done stuff for Major League. Uh, he's he's like a broadcaster too, right, on the Major League Baseball Network or something like that. But he was a reliever for the Brewers. Anyhow, so for people who haven't seen the story, and I, I lump this into the category. There's two. There's two points. First is this story demonstrates to me how difficult it is going to be for Major League Baseball to have its season, and then point I'll make in just a minute, it also demonstrates to me just how almost impossible it would be to have a college football season this year. Because here's the deal. After Major League Baseball is trying to play 60 games in like 60 days, that the Miami Marlins have lost a whole bunch of games because players went out, got infected, and then infected the team. St. Louis hasn't played in like a week, and they, they just canceled the St. Louis series against Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I, I mean, St. Louis, they've they're going to have to play like fifty-five games in forty-six days or something, assuming that they're able to play at the end of the week. And so, as a result of this, Major League Baseball has issued, and we talked about this on Friday, all the all these protocols, and and essentially. If you're on work release, you have more privileges than you do if you're a Major League Baseball player. When you're at home, you're you're not allowed to go out to bars. You're not allowed to go out to restaurants. You're not allowed to go out to, to shopping malls. You're not allowed to go to places where people congregate. You, um, If you're in the clubhouse or you're on the road, you're not allowed to leave the hotel. You're uh, not allowed to... Um, Eat. You're not allowed to have people in your room. I mean, it because they're, they're trying to keep people safe and keep people separate. But at least with Major League Baseball, you would think that there is an incentive to do this because these players make a whole bunch of money. And if the season gets canceled, well, they're out of luck. All right. Which brings us to the story of Zach Plesac, who's a starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Plesac, Cleveland was playing in Chicago. They were playing the Cubs over the weekend. And the story is, and Plesak is originally from Crown Point, Indiana, so close to the Chicago area. So apparently, a bunch of buddies, you know, come up to visit him when, you know, he, he's pitching in Chicago. And what do they do? They decide they're going to go out on Saturday night. So he, here you have this, well, and I put this in the category, I do not know Zach Plesak, but I put this in the category of you can't fix stupid. They've got all these different protocols that they have put into effect. Zach Plesak hooks up with his buddies, and they decide that, that they're going to go out and hit a bar or hit a restaurant or, or whatever. They, 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 he breaks quarantine to hang out with his buddies. 
And so what happens is Cleveland finds out, and you're not supposed to leave the hotel without permission from the, the person that regulates this. So he, he leaves the hotel, goes hanging out with his buddies, and then so they catch him. And so what they did is they apparently, they rented, they put him in a rental car and they sent him back to Cleveland. Now, he, he hasn't been tested and, and you know, you don't know if, if by going out he caught this or, or whatever. But, you know, the, the, po- the problem, of course, is it, it just it just shows that when, when you've got players that have something to lose, I mean, money, et cetera, and you've got these rules and you have these 25-year-old guys that can't follow it. They're incapable of following the simple instruction, which is, okay, for the rest of the season, you, you've got to treat yourself like you're a work-release prisoner, but they're not able to do it. If guys that are making a whole bunch of money and have their livelihoods and the money on the line, if they can't resist the urge to go out and you know hang out and see their buddies and break quarantine – and as a result, you know, put their season and potentially put everybody else's season at risk. If you can't get the Major League Baseball players to do it, how are you going to get the college football players to do it? Which brings us to the story of the reports are that the Big Ten will be canceling its football season in its entirety, at least the fall football season. Already, the the Big Ten had canceled the non-conference games, and the reports are that by a vote of like 10 to 2, 12 teams in the Big Ten, go figure, um, they, they had voted to cancel the fall season because of, number one, COVID, and the, I think, inability to guarantee the safety of, of the players, especially knowing that, you know, you've got, what, 90 or 100 people on a college football team, not to mention the managers and the trainers and all that. They're, they're also young men who are, are going to be out socializing. And the idea, if you can't keep a Major League Baseball player from visiting his friends, how are you going to be able to impose a quarantine on the football players? And I think the feeling was it was only a matter of time before people got sick. So rather than just even go down this route, the decision was, okay, we're just going to cancel it. The The question now that we don't know the answer to is, will they try to play fall football in the spring? And and that's that, at least at this point in time, is an open question. The Big Ten commissioner apparently would like to try to do that. But at this point in time, they've given up. At least that's what the reports are. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is unfortunate, but given the fact that it's very unclear that you're going to be able to have in-person instruction in the first place on college campuses, given the fact that as you've started with football practice, you've already had large numbers of people testing positive at some of the universities, I just don't see any way they could have done it. Are they making the right decision to cancel the f- collegiate football season? My answer would be, yeah, you might as well do it now because I just don't see how they'd be able to pull it off. It's disappointing, but I think it was inevitable. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Troy in Sturgeon Bay. Troy, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, did they make the right decision if, in fact, they go ahead and cancel the college football season? Well, 
it is a to me it is a real sad day, disappointing day because I love the, the game of college football probably more than any other sport that's out there. Uh, it was, you know, they they had just been dragging their feet on this by, you know, let's change no no non conference games and we're going to do this and that. He knew it was coming. The right. WIA is the next one now, and they just got to give people some direction. But it's really really disappointment. But I guess to me a bigger disappointment what's going on right now is the inability of so many Americans to take it serious and fight together instead of, uh, you know, doing what they're doing in, in Milwaukee, Chicago, Portland, wherever. It's just so frustrating that people can't change and slow down and do something a little bit different than the norm because, you know, it's just not really getting any better. And it's not until we all, you know, fighting this thing together. I mean, you talked about the Oshkosh ordeal last right. weekend. And, uh, you know, the, atti- the attitude of people, and like you said before, you know, you can't pick stupid. That would go off to that light- latest text that you guys just read. So that's my thoughts on it. It's real sad. I, I get, I get, I, in the next four months, I'm not going to have my biggest passion that I, I really like to, to watch on Saturday. So, would, would, you like to, would you like I to see him? I'm curious, as, as a, if you you know, if that's your big passion, would you like to see him try to play college football in the spring? You know, that's a, that's a real, tough one uh, for a couple reasons. I don't, I don't know if it'll be over with in the spring and enough for people to, you know, to take part, right. but um, I don't think it is, is going to be the same in the spring. You know, then you're going to fight, uh, you know, guys that do both football and track. Right. You're going to have to make choices. It, it, yeah. I think so. I'm sure that's one of the issues that, that they're facing. You know, it's, and a number of texters are, are making the point, well, okay, what what are you? We're, we're bringing back students. We're going to put them in dorms where they're going to be like on top of each other, and they're not going to have testing. Whereas on the other hand, you you know at least with the with the sports teams, you know you you could be testing and doing things like that. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at a story out of USA Today. Um, a lot of a lot of the colleges are trying to impose rules, banning parties. Get this. The University of Texas at Austin, for example, I'm quoting now, has banned parties both on campus and off, saying they put the health and safety of our community at risk and raise anxiety levels. Tulane University, which is in New Orleans, threatened suspension or expulsion of students who throw or attend parties that have 15 or more people and have asked students to monitor the report on the behavior of their peers. Okay, to which I say I understand why they're doing this but i live in this place called the real world can, can you imagine okay uh, you got a college campus and you say okay we're, we're not going to have parties you know okay, good luck with that i mean it's just it's one of those things that you can you can put the rules in place just like you can put the rules in place that says to the major league pitcher don't break curfew and you're going to do it i mean as someone who lives near the uwm campus on the east side there's right. tons of college houses where people still have parties and still get together right. just take a walk around the campus area anytime around five between five and seven p.m right tons of get-togethers right and, and maybe 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 you you have a, a chance of enforcing that for the kids who live in the dorms maybe i but and, it's, and i'm not sure i'm positive about that but you're exactly right i mean think of just all the off campus housing that's there and and who's going to Okay, if I if I live in if I live in Austin, Texas, and I decide I, I want to throw one of these parties, you know, can, can you really imagine? Okay, well, we're not going to have a whole bunch of people over. No, of course you know that that's going to happen. I'm just, it's just, 
it's just a very, very difficult situation to enforce. Let's talk to, especially among younger people, which are making up the majority of the COVID cases now because people think that they're they're invulnerable, I guess. Let's talk to Tim in Fredonia. Hi, Tim. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Good afternoon. A couple, a few quick points here. The NCAA, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-10, the SEC, ACC, they had three and a half or five months to figure this out, what they were going to do. And they kept stroking everybody along, stroking everybody along. And next thing, yeah. this is you're not going to have, if you don't get a vaccine by the end of this year, college people, young people are going to be the last people to get it. So right. you can kiss the uh, NCAA tournament goodbye next year, too. There ain't going to be any basketball either, so don't get your hopes up. There's sports junkies. I'm one of them. Don't get your hopes up. Everything in your power to stop this stuff. And number three, Jeff, this is almost un-American to do these kind of things. Now, you can talk about the people not doing their part, not figuring out and all of that, Jeff. Where were the waivers on this? They could have drafted up some kind of waiver and got the parents of these kids or whoever they did, Jeff, to get the language right. And everybody failed, Jeff, from the NCAA onto the conferences. They failed to get this done, Jeff. And one, one of their unintended consequences, the bars and the businesses that rely on these Saturdays, like Mickey's Dairy Bar and all that. Oh, yeah. gone in two years, and you're trying to go there for eggs. It's over, boss, and don't blame anybody but the conference and everybody else. Well, I'm hang up. Well, okay, place. thanks for calling. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, there is that, that whole collateral effect of all the, the sports bars and stuff like that who've been struggling for the last several months when we haven't had sports. I mean, I, I, the, the problem with, with – here, I mean, here's, here's the, the issue. I, I think – as a practical matter, I think the, these schools are, are looking at the experience and recognizing that it's you're, you're dealing with college kids. So you're talking about kids 18 to 22, 23 years old. You're talking about a lot of them. And I think it's just kind of inevitable that you, you know you're not going to keep COVID out. So now the question, I guess, becomes is, is – if there is an, do, do you just go ahead and blast ahead and wait till there's an outbreak and then try to to adapt to it, or do you recognize, look, we, there's just a certainty that this is going to happen. So you know, why spend money? Why go down this route? Why schedule these games? That by the way, we're going to have to play in front of empty stadiums anyway. So it, it's just going to be a four TV thing, or do we just recognize that this is a bridge too far? And I think that's kind of what they've taken the position of that this is going to be a, a bridge too far. Now, interestingly. Tim, the point you make about basketball, I, 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 I agree with that. I'm a, um, I, I have a, I'm a season ticket holder to Marquette men's basketball. I, I love going. I just my wife, my wife, my wife will loves going. We we really enjoy the games. And I think there was an email that went out from Marquette not that long ago that essentially said, "Well, we we don't know what we're going to do now." Um, and I, I think they're just kind of waiting and seeing. But I'm with you, Tim. I mean, I don't, I do not understand how. Maybe you're going to be able to play college basketball, maybe, but certainly not in, in arenas. I, I don't think. And then, then the question becomes: Is is it worth it? And again, if you you are you're dealing with a smaller number of people than you with a football team, but as long as you have the, these numbers that are just so huge. Does it make any sense? Can you pull it off? We're, we're in uncharted territory. And again, I'm I, I'm a college football fan as well. I prefer professional sports, but I mean, I'm a college football fan. Uh, but I, I just look at this and I just don't see how it's it's going to happen. And you look at all the struggles that the pros are having, and the pros have the economic, at least the pro players have that economic incentive to to do this. Um, the 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 college kids, you know. Um, 
you know, no, that that that, that they don't. So I, I have a feeling that this is going to be uh, that this this is it's just going to be the reality. Now, a number of people are also making the point that once if Joe Biden wins in November, then everything's going to be fine because we we won't be worried about it. I I'm not quite that cynical, but I mean I understand why this is happening right now, and you, I mean my first concern is is trying to figure out can you get kids college high school elementary school middle school kids can, the sooner we can get them back to in person learning the better it's going to be cuz this virtual learning i don't think is very good and from the perspective of the college experience it maybe it's better for the college kids but it's it's not an ideal situation as i was saying earlier my niece is going to be a senior at san diego state i was with her over the weekend and yeah i mean it's it's what you do it's how you have to adapt but the sooner we can figure out how to get kids young people young adults back into schools for in-person learning, the better this is all going to be. And I guess from the perspective of university administrators, that, that's that got to be the priority, and then everything else comes from that. Once you figure out how to keep kids safely on campus, then, then you figure out how to do the sports and stuff. Not surprised that this has happened. The interesting thing is going to be, can they pull off could they pull off football in the spring if they wanted to? My guess is they, they could. And my guess is they, they might give it a, a try or at least start making the plans for it. Time will tell. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, very glad to have you with us. The 2020 Wisconsin State Fair may be canceled, but that doesn't mean we can't commemorate what might have been. Tune into Wisconsin's Morning News as they relive the sights and sounds that make the State Fair what it is. You'll also have a chance to win tickets for next year's event. It's the Wisconsin State Fair Necessities from WTMJ. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's... It is kind of depressing because this we would have been broadcasting. This would have been the second week of the state fair. Um, and this is, I, I think, what have, I've been here like 22 years, I think. So this would have been inclusive counting, maybe like the 23 year, 23rd year of broadcast from the fair. There was one year that we, we took off. But other than that, and I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm really nobody. I can't tell you how much I want to see us get back to that sense of normalcy where we can all be out in public and we can actually if not shake hands we can fist bump and we cannot worry that we're all going to be spreading these diseases and by the way i i since this whole covid thing occurred I, i've tried to be a, a voice of reason in this conversation and, and by that i mean there, there's some people out there who from the beginning ha- have seen this as well if you don't, if we don't just hibernate in our basements, you know, everybody's going to get it, going to die. Well, that's, that is an extreme. Um, most people don't get it. And most people that do get it get sick and, and, but they don't die. But nobody wants to get sick. I just don't think you can lock down the, the country and say people can't go out. The flip side is people who just think, well, okay, when your number's up, your number's up. So, so who cares? Well, I, I think that's irresponsible too. There, there is a, a balancing in the middle. And I've, I've tried to, you know, push for that. I've also been frustrated that we've, we've moved the bar 
when it comes to COVID? Because in the beginning, back in March, we had the health experts saying, look, this is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So what we need to do is we need to figure out ways to like level the curve. Remember that phrase? We want to stop the hospital system from becoming overwhelmed. And and by and large, we've, we've done that. There's a couple exceptions now across the country. But for example, in Wisconsin, the hospital system has never been close to being overwhelmed, even though the, the number of COVID cases has gone up. So as that's happened, now we've kind of moved, at least in the minds of some people, from love flattening the curve to, okay, we need absolute safety, which is, you know, and somebody sent me a text the other day saying, well, I don't think we should have kids back in school until we can guarantee absolute safety. And my thought was, if that's the case, we're never going to have kids back in school because you can't ever guarantee absolute safety. You could have some kid that shows up with the flu, and I know coronavirus isn't the flu, but somebody shows up with the flu and somebody else who's got a compromised immune system gets it and has a really bad reaction. You, Again, you have to have this balancing of stuff that is out there. And that's somehow I think we kind of lose that uh, to a certain extent. Um, It it is kind of interesting, though. There's a big story in USA Today today about how our our habits have, in fact, changed and about how, how travel, even domestic travel, even now that stuff is starting to open up, how it's it's dramatically down. For example, Disney World in Florida has opened up. Disneyland in California hasn't. But Disney World is announcing that starting, I think, September 8th, right after Labor Day, they're cutting back on their hours because what they're finding is attendance is down. They're, so the Magic Kingdom's only going to be open, it's going to be open an hour or two less. Animal Kingdom's going to be open an hour or two less. Epcot's going to be open like three hours less. Because what they're finding is that even though they're open, more and more people are just kind of making the decision saying, we're, we're, we're not going to go right now until things settle down, which is kind of the, the philosophy that you know, I, I've sort of taken that, you know, normally in the fall, I'd go to Las Vegas. Well, I'm not going to Las Vegas now because, first of all, I go to Las Vegas because I like to see concerts and shows and they're not going to be going on. And secondly, right now, the experience is just so different that I, I, I want to wait till there's more of a sense of normal. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we will get to that point sooner rather than later. Okay, when we come back, a lot of stuff in the two o'clock hour, President Trump. I don't know, uses an executive order. I want to discuss that because I have a nuanced but perhaps controversial view on that that might upset everybody, including if you hate Trump, you're going to be upset with what I'm going to say. If you love Trump, you're going to be upset with what I say. So we'll pretty much make everybody unhappy. My producer is rolling his eyes going, oh, that's a great tactic. No, I call him like I see him. Some interesting news about a TV network, despite the fact that the TV network is ridiculed, pilloried in the mainstream media, it's still succeeding. I will explain all that. Plus, epic systems back in the news. All that's coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Bilstead, you're a student of popular culture. Uh, sure. In, for television, prime time is considered to be evenings 
and it's considered out here in the Midwest between seven and ten. Yes. On the East Coast and the West Coast, it's eight, eight to eleven. 11 that, yeah. That's that, that's prime. That is prime time. It's not that other hours aren't important and stuff, but that's that's like the prime time viewing. Yes. For June and July, would you like to guess which TV network, over-the-air broadcast, cable, of all the different networks in both June and July, would you like to guess which cable network was number one in prime time? Uh, uh, cable. Cable, no, but no, no. Uh, cable, cable or, or network. On, or, right, okay. of all of the whole universe of all the different TV networks that are out there, including ABC and NBC and CBS, yeah, yeah. Um, number one for June and July. Oh, jeez. Um, I, I, I guess. Well, I know that David Muir has had a good run with his uh, ABC nightly show, so I'm just going to randomly throw out ABC. You would say ABC. Okay, group producing the show today and always, would you like to take a guess as to which network, cable or or just over there, which network came in number one prime time in June and July? Uh, you know, I'll go something a little bit more obscure. Like, I'll say either like Disney Channel or Lodian, something like that. I mean, kids are at home, right? Well, kids, kids are at home. I, I, that, that's wrong. But okay, that, at least I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I like the idea, though. I, I understand, right? Oh, okay, just seeing that, <laughs> and and just it's just everybody listening. I mean, I, I don't tell you guys this before. I, I'm asking for your off the the off the cuff, yeah. cuff, cuff reactions. We all plan this out. Um, no, and no, um, Fox News. Ah, okay. Number one, and this matter of fact, this there, there's a big piece in the New York Times yesterday in June and July. Fox News was the highest rated television channel in the primetime hours of 8 to 11 or 7 to 10 mm-hmm. out here. Not just on cable, not just among news networks, all of television. The average live Fox News viewership in those hours outstripped cable rivals like CNN, MS- MSNBC, and ESPN, as well as the broadcast networks ABC, CBS, and NBC, according to the Nielsen reports. So there you have it. Yeah. All right. Now, see, there there is a there is a point now that I want to make. Now, I, I understand. First of all, this is the summer, June and July, so there's not a lot of original programming. It, there, it's mostly reruns that you have on the on the over the air networks. That's number one, and, and number two, there, there haven't we didn't have live sports. I mean, live sports is just starting to creep back in. So this was this was June and July. So maybe that impacts a little bit on on ESPN. So th- there's a couple, you know caveats or asterisks you can put in there but it doesn't change the fact that fox news despite the fact that fox news gets all this negative attention despite the fact that you've got you know all the different controversies with regard to you know some of the commentators and stuff it is still pulling more eyeballs than any any network on television in prime time Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have several friends who all they watch is, is Fox News. And and that that's the entertainment, that's the information. Clearly, despite all the controversy, despite all the mocking, despite all the ridicule that Fox News gets in the mainstream media – and you know on on other on other shows on other networks it it's doing something right at least if you measure you know if when you measure the viewership 8556161620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line i have a why question why do you believe 
Fox News is as popular and remains as popular as has, it has been. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that's out there is there's all sorts of people who have, you know, written off the, the Trump reelection campaign. Oh, there's no way he can win, et cetera. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of the people, a lot of the people who are, are watching Fox News, who are being measured on the Nielsen boxes and things like that, they might not be the same people that are answering the, the pollsters' questions. And I, I think at the end of the day, Fox News, and I'd say it's a niche, but I, it's really not a niche. They, at the end of the day, provide, I, I think, the they are the only real significant conservative network. Now, I understand that there's a couple other like smaller things that are out there, but I think they provide a counterbalance to ABC, NBC, CBS, certainly CNN, certainly MSNBC. It is a counterbalance. And if you are a conservative-leaning person, it, it's the only real place that you can go to get your information and not just listen to the 120th consecutive story about how Donald Trump is awful. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Where is this popularity? And in particular, if you are a nightly viewer of Fox News, why? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. These numbers are really pretty staggering. Fox News Channel finished July as the most watched cable network for the 49th straight months. Okay, so but that that's the cable network. But for June and July, looking at prime time, 7 to 10 out here, 8 to 11 on the east and west coasts, Fox News was the number was the most watched television channel, not not cable channel, not cable news channel television channel, including all the broadcast and the over-the-air stuff. And again, they're, 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 you can probably say, well, okay, that it's the summer, so that a lot of the broadcast networks were in reruns, and you can say that you know live sports hasn't been there, so there wasn't that to siphon things off. But, but the bottom line is, it's been hugely successful. M- my question to you is, is why? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I think because at the end of the day, and this is somebody who's just fascinated, who's who's worked in now media for a long time and is fascinated by the reaction of the mainstream media, I, I continue to believe it's because it, it's carved out a niche as really being the only place you can go if you are a conservative-leaning person and you, you, you want – you want news or an approach or a spin on the news that doesn't mimic what you get from the, the mainstream media. Or you, you pick up the New York Times, and look, the, the New York Times, for example, they're, they're making a lot of money. They understand their audience is the we hate Donald Trump crowd. And so every story or almost every story they write is written from, from that perspective. President Trump could give every American $100 out of his own pocket, and if he gave him $100 bills, the story would be, Trump gives people, you know, Trump doesn't give people 20s. Have the people have trouble cashing the bills. That that's that's their their shtick. That's their approach and I think that that people rebel on that. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, some of these polls might not be picking up certain of the sentiment, you know, that that's that's out there. And again, I I just I'm not 
predicting that President Trump's going to win. But I'm saying, all right, there's a lot of viewers out there. There's a lot of like that silent majority that's out there that maybe they're not answering pollster questions. But, you know, when it comes time to, for example, get their information or their news, they're, they're making, you know, certain decisions. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um Let's see. Uh, Jeff Fox is the only place that doesn't promote fear. Um, Jeff, I started to watch Fox during the 2016 elections because at least Fox was interviewing all the primary candidates. The mainstream media was only uh, considering Trump. I have been watching ever since. Um, Jeff. You're right. It's the only conservative news station. It's the only one I watch. I love the five and I love the Tucker Carlson show. Jeff, it's the only place that's not Trump bad 24 seven. And I think there there's an element of that. Jeff, Fox News has some good personalities. They also give the liberals a voice to offset the conservative views. Um, the other news channels just bash the president and the conservative viewpoint. Um, Jeff, Besides Fox News, all the other ones are just doom and gloom about the virus. You would think that the world was ending. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I watch it religiously. I love Sean Hannity. I love uh, the Laura uh, Engel show. That would be Laura Engram. Um, I think since there are no sports, it's the go-to truth network. Huh. Um, Jeff, Fox News, viewer, Fox News viewers need to get a life and stop watching the fake news on Fox. Well, okay, but apparently, like, the large majority, at least the majority of people that are watching TV, at least the significant plurality, they're disagreeing. Jeff, I think Fox is the only channel that broadcasts Trump's press conferences live. I like to watch that. Jeff, two words, Tucker Carlson. I watch all the time. Um, Jeff, I suspect that the streaming networks crushed live TV over the same time period. No, no. I mean, by if stre- by that you mean like Netflix or Hulu. I, I don't believe that that's the case at all. Jeff, um, for me, Fox News is all I wor- uh, watch. I think there's less BS. I watch it all the time. It, it is kind of that reality that, that's out there. And again, I, what's so interesting to me is if you pay attention to the mainstream media, you see this network that's reviled and you see this network that's criticized and all. But the the bottom line is it, it is a go to place, even with all the, the controversy. It's the go to place. And again, people are responding with their eyeballs and they're making that decision. Now, does that mean that maybe there is this kind of silent majority out there that's not being picked up in the polls. And, um, you know, when the election rolls around in November, that there might be some um, surprises. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Don't know how that works out at all. Um, Jeff, maybe Fox is doing well because it's the conservatives that are staying home watching TV and it's on the liberals that are on the street protesting. I don't know about that. Jeff, I've always been pretty liberal. I'm 39, somewhat young, and a woman. Not your typical Fox viewer. My husband is a cop, not liberal. I've been disenchanted by the three big networks. I feel that while I don't agree with the Trump thumping on Fox, I seem to get a more common sense approach to what's really going on in the country, especially when it comes to peaceful protests. Now, there is this niche. Jeff, unlike other channels, Fox offers opposing viewpoints. The other ones refuse to report quite a few other stories except to bash Trump. Um, Yes, 
yes, yes, yes. No, there's there's no question uh, about that. And that's that's one of the things that we talk about a lot, and I've talked about over the years that the whole. The, the whole bias, the, the question of the, the overt bias in the presentation of, of the story, in this case, Trump bad, because we, that's what we think our audience wants to hear, but also the bias in terms of the selection of stories, what gets chosen to report, because if if a news outlet, for example, decides not to report something, well, you don't know enough to have an opinion on it anyways. And that's where I think you see some of the more insidious bias. I bring this up only because for for everybody that's out there that says, okay, this election is going to be a disaster for conservatives, it may well be. It, it it may well be. For everybody out there who's the pundits who talk about how President Trump on the top of the ticket is going to be a disaster and a drag, it may well turn out to be that case. I, I'm just saying there, there's some stuff going on that I don't think is picked up on the, the major – I don't think it's on people's radar screens. And, and one of those is there's still a, a lot of people out there who – want a conservative perspective on things, you know, witness the success of talk radio programs and also witness the success of Fox News. The numbers just don't lie. This is Jeff Wagner.